You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I'm one of your other hosts, Jason Wheeler. And today we're broadcasting from our studio in Kansas City, with uh, which is a room with a table and some chairs and a couple microphones. As well, a whiteboard with writing using letters. And one of the words that I see up there... I think is today's topic. That's right. Thanks for breaking it down for uh, for the listener. We like to like to let you guys look behind the curtain from time to time. So now you know. And uh, so we got we do have Randy here with us as well as always today. And our topic today, as you probably already know, is the grain mafia. It's a uh, it's a thing that people think is in existence. And we wanted to delve into this zeitgeist that has become a thing lately thanks to USDA reports and China trade deals and big grain companies and, and all this stuff that, that we have found out. There's this mentality out here. So we wanted to, we wanted to delve. Wait, 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 wait. We got a trade deal with China, done? I don't know. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it has probably not happened and happened four other times. But, you know, here. That's how the mafia do. That's that's it. It's all tricks to move the markets. So grain mafia. So can you expound a little bit on that, uh, Jason? Because it's um, it's definitely took hold here just recently. So the the recent genesis, of course, is that today is going to be a an open flow, free flowing deal. We do have some some points we want to hit, but it came from the wonderful world of the internet, more specifically Facebook, more specifically grain market discussion, which is a favorite pastime of ours for for entertainment. GMD, if you will. That's right. And so Twitter, of course, a little more highbrow. Sophisticated. I don't even know if that's true. You know, anything on social media, it depends on what you follow. I'm sure there's some Looney Tunes stuff in the Twitter sphere too, but uh, not not in the highbrow circles that Roger and I run in. <laughs> Am I right? This guy's got a point. So, anyways, I wanted to read uh re- read some Facebook posts and we'll we'll react, discuss a little bit. So this is this is a fellow. So for those that don't know, Grain Market Discussion is a group. It's a private group. You have to answer very tough questions it, to get into. The initiation process is incredible. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I've watched all of the National Treasure movies, and I still don't know how I come up with. <laughs> The secret code to get in. Even that other, the code talkers. That was Nicolas Cage. See, look, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, but with Nick Cage. Uh, thanks, Roger, for that aside. Um, so the gray market discussion page. Once you're in, it is mostly, uh, mostly farmers and them asking questions. Some, some of it genuinely good stuff. You know, hey, you know, how do you? How do you do this, that, or the other? Who thinks this about nope. these fees and stuff like that? It's it's, it's not generally good stuff at all. <laughs> That's the exception that proves the rule. It's, it's, anyways, it's posts like this. So I want to read this this one. This is from a farmer, and he says, 
If we have truly agreed with China for a $50 billion grain deal, corn would be up 50 and beans $1.25. Show me the money! Exclamation mark. I mean, I mean it. Show me the damn money. Period. Uh, from 16 billion to 50 billion, their figures. Show me the damn money once once more. <clears throat> that kind of deal should mean locked limit up for the next 10 days on the CBOT. And here we go. I think the CME group is the grain mafia. Bow, bow, bow. And that's the post. Uh, good stuff. So that, that that was kind of the genesis, the recent genesis, I should say, of the thought of the grain mafia, and it has it's it's been been fun to delve into. I don't, you know, to to his credit or discredit, maybe Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr. is has kind of fallen from grace lately. Have you seen this? Do you know? He's been accused of some R. Kelly type things, so I don't know if I'd be saying "show me the money." I just want to put that right out there. Right <laughs> okay, off the bat. okay. I, I didn't know where you were going with it, but Jerry Maguire connection. Appreciate that. So the first guy that commented on this post said, "Agricultural products means more than just corn and beans." Now there is a rational thought, which doesn't <laughs> happen much on this page, but it does. Um, and this guy immediately responded, and your point is with seven uh, question marks. And he says, do you work for a big grain buying company or something? You know, so, of course, obviously, a new member of the grain mafia. The mafia is is on many levels, you know. You know, they've got capos and bosses and pacinos and all the things in there, apparently. <laughs> But, but anyways, this is this is our 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 thing today. It, that that's where it started is, and and this mentality is out there, and we've talked about it. The elevators cut, uh, and and how everybody's out to get them and all that. On what are what are you laughing at already, Roger? Yes, we have talked about the elevators cut. <laughs> it's literally literally every episode. So, anyways, there is there's a lot of of uh, of frustration and gnashing of teeth of farmers all across the corners of the internet about how if we supposedly got this trade deal why is why isn't the market up and somebody there's some invisible hand of the market that is manipulating things and keeping us down the man's keeping us down and that's a i don't know it's a it's a human response when you feel helpless cuz you know as a, as an individual you can't control uh you know, the market at large and, and things like that. So you see this one piece of information, you disregard all other pieces of information that may affect it. Like the summer rally a few yeah. months ago. Yeah. You see a piece of information and say, well, this should just send it to the moon. And because that's what you want, you want it to, the prices to go high and, and erase all the uh, poor decisions you might've made up to this point and, and put a bandaid on it. For well, the you. first step is to be bullish. The second step is to find a reason. That's all that online, but That's but that it is, <clears throat> and uh, and just just to set the stage here for you listeners that uh, may be brand new to our style of commentary. Look, as a buyer on the buying side, at the elevator side, we wish corn was seven dollars. You know why? It's a lot easier to buy corn when it's seven bucks than when it's three, and basis is probably a lot lower. 
so I can easily buy bases and and have a chance to make more money. I would much rather it be $7 if I was a buyer of grain. <clears throat> and so so don't hear this as we're some kind of perma bulls or bears trying to keep things low. It's like, no, we're kind of price neutral. But, you know, if you go a step beyond that, it's a lot easier to buy grain when it's high priced. Duh. Proceed. So here's a, here's another thought that came about. And this actually, I I think, originated on uh, on Twitter by by some, you know, fellow genius uh, in in ag, in the ag business world. And uh, the the. The comment was that 40 seconds or four, no, okay, let me, such corruption and no integrity in any business anymore, I'm, I'm reading now. 14 seconds before the USDA report released, one move made someone $700,000 after the release of the report. And uh, so what he's referencing is this, a guy said 1,400 December corn futures were, that's contracts, were sold 14 or 40 seconds. Uh, there's some there's some debate. Maybe both. It's obviously Clarence Beaks. Uh, but right before the the crop report was released, that sent the market down. Uh, corn went down 10 cents right after the release. <clears throat> so they're saying it's a seven hundred thousand dollar because that's seven million bushels. Sent it down 10 cents. That somebody made seven hundred thousand dollars for one second of work. Not too bad. Um, and you know, hashtag insider trading, hashtag futures, hashtag mafia, everything, right? Am All right? the hashtags. Uh, so we're real upset. And so, why, Roger, how? Why is no one in jail yet? Please tell me. They're sly. They obviously are masters of disguise, and have slipped through society's fingers. Or maybe, hear me out on this craziness. Okay, I'm listening. Maybe the fact that someone sold a bunch of contracts also equates to the fact that someone else bought a bunch of contracts That's at right. the same price level uh, in the same volume. <laughs> it's a, it's a zero sum game, right? So for every sale, there's a buy in. That's, that's a thing. Uh, Phil Lusa, we work with, he's, he's always, Oh, you know, why was the market up today? Oh, there are more buyers and sellers. Well, that's, factually inaccurate there is always the exact same numbers of buyers or sellers or there would not have been trades that happened right so um now the motivation of the buyers and the sellers might have been you know uh but but well, they're always different the motivation there's, there's of all, buyers and sellers is always different. well i mean as far as like uh, more um wanting to get more desperate to get the trade sure. off you know so that but there's always the same number of buyers and sellers. So, so for somebody, they, I mean, people on because when there's not, what happens? We have limit markets. <laughs> yeah, right. People want even even then to get a trade done. You have to have another partner on the other side exactly. to to do the contract. But people want to literally open investigations and have you know write their congressman because they know they'll get involved and help. Um, right, we're from the government. Get to- I'm here to help. <laughs> Get them involved in this, and and let's say, but but you but you're right. Somebody lost seven hundred thousand uh, dollars on these fourteen hundred. Well, for them to have sold the contract, somebody else must have bought it and had had an opinion. And you know, but they don't necessarily. They didn't necessarily lose money. You don't know what trades they were offsetting. I mean, it's an endless chain of what ifs. You just right. have no idea. Right. You don't know who the who the person was that that entered this trade now. These fourteen hundred contracts, seven million bushels. Do 
is there such thing as an entity that would trade 7 million bushels at one time? Yes. <laughs> to answer my own question. The grain mafia, obviously. It's the grain mafia. But no, uh, and and maybe they are price neutral, so they don't really care. It's just their business is to hedge when they make transactions. And maybe it happened. Or, or maybe it was a genuine speculator that said, hey, the USDA report's coming out and all these farmers keep getting on the internet saying how there's no grain anywhere. And then the USDA report comes out and says, yep, there is <laughs> wrong. And then the market tanks. So after a few times of this, maybe somebody said, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and short the market for him, but it, it doesn't matter. They took a, they took a gamble. Uh, if, if that's the case and, and it, it paid off, but it could have easily gone the other way. And the funny thing is, within a day after this, the market was back up again to where it where it started. But it was crickets. No one was saying anything, and no one was selling anything. That's the bigger point here. It's been like pulling teeth this year uh, in a lot of places to get. And I'm not talking production related, you know, after you can see it out there, of getting grain sold or bought. It's just it's been... It's been a turd. Yeah. So a big stressor in farming, it, and I mean, many polls throughout the years uh, and and surveys will confirm that, that a big stressor in farming is the marketing of the grain and worrying about the markets and the prices going. And, and, and I, I understand that's a, it's, it's a very different business, uh, for, for them to be. And then, then most other business, how, how many businesses, if you're making anything else, it's pretty static. The prices, you know, there, there's not wild swings on a daily basis or minute to minute basis. So, so it can be, it can be tough and it can be, uh, it can cause some anxiety, but what, what some of this, so when you, when you start worrying about things outside your control, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it, but for these guys, they can complain on the internet. They can get mad on Facebook. Don't we all? <laughs> so, the the thing that comes to my mind is is it's a function of of it the product which we speak of being a commodity. It's the nature of commodities. I mean, Randy knows all about commodities, and he's nodding his head. So we're going to take that as gospel truth. It's it's a commodity thing, and we have in in the current um, marketplace, you have a lot of folks uh, pushing this idea of we got to decommoditize our commodities, decommoditization, and they propose doing this by going multiple different routes. You know, one of them being you know value added, which hey, I agree, you add value, you you have add, you have picked up a few more chains of the uh, links of that chain yourself. Congrats, that's great. Um, <clears throat> other, other sorts are pushing the idea of, of all this, uh, super transparency and, and opening up your bushels to markets that, uh, may or may not make sense for you, which I guess is fine if it works out. But it seems to me the biggest point that these parties are neglecting or maybe not talking about, or maybe haven't thought of is that in my mind, the easiest way to decommoditize a, com is a commodity is to not sell it as a commodity. Quit chasing commodity markets to sell your stuff. If you can get a price locked in ahead of time, not treat it like a commodity where you're in the spot market every day trying to sell this thing that vastly moves around. Like you said, a lot of the other products are static. You have the choice as a producer of grain to lock in a static price for your grain any point in time. And you don't, ha you don't have to, to chase this thing. 
It's a choice to chase the market. It is a choice. You can remove yourself from that and you've essentially decommoditized your commodity in, in the fun, in the function of how you priced it. Yeah. That's, that's a really my good thoughts. point. Yeah. So I do, I, I want to switch gears slightly. Uh, we're still, we're still on the grain market you discussion. Facebook got some page. great scrolling, uh, but skills down there at that end of the table. But anyways, there, uh, here, here's a, a guy that, that uh, we'll get off the China grain mafia, but the grain mafia, this is a concept, you know, the guy literally said the word grain mafia. It's a, it's hilarious. And we, we like to, to get into it, but, but it speaks to a, a bigger overall uh, mentality that there's these, these enemies, big guys, stuff that are out to, to get us and, and screw us and, and take money that should be ours. And, uh, and so one of those, this guy, the original guy, had blamed the CME group and the people in the markets and somebody who trades a bunch of contracts. How dare they? And how they, how dare they provide? How dare liquidity they give us the volume <laughs> to our market so that we can freely trade? How dare they? But uh, second is the government. People think which which does you know they're making trade deals or not or whatever they're doing. No one knows. Um, so the government's out to get them, but but in a big way, it's these USDA reports. And right, because we all know when a USDA report comes out, I mean, this is, let's think about this, Roger, let's break this down. For let's, a let's do it. Let's do it. The, the USDA is funded by what? Me and you. Taxpayer dollars. They work for us, dang it. Um, and if you don't believe that, try, you know, not paying your taxes and, and uh, see... Who works for who at that point? But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but the USDA <laughs> will come, um, will get your taxpayer dollars. So they're supposed to be helping the taxpayer, right? Shouldn't they be? So I'm a farmer. I'm a taxpayer. Shouldn't they be making the markets go up with everything they do? Uh, Tell me where no. I'm wrong. Uh, you know, change my mind. You can't. You well, can't. the the whole thing of of demonizing them, and and I, I get a legitimate gripe that, hey, these numbers need to be as good as they possibly can because they have such an effect on the market. I don't think anybody would argue that they do need to be good. Sure. And you know, depending on where you stand, either you believe they're doing as good a job as they can as being failable human beings, <clears throat> works for the government, or you could say that no, any anything less than perfection is is. Is not good enough. Yeah. So on that note, I'd like to read a quick reading from the internet. Here we go. Another farm. Now this guy, I, I I respect this this guy a little bit more. I mean, he's things are outside his control, but what he can't control, he's trying to control. He's trying to be positive. So I, I appreciate that that realm of it. But I'll I'll read this. He says, just followed through calling my FSA office to complain about the last report from the USDA. <clears throat> let me let me absorb that. Okay. To my pleasant surprise, the local manager said there had been quite a few complaints, and she herself made the comment, I don't know where they're getting the bushels from. They are forwarding all comments to the state office. So I would suggest all of you just to make a nice, friendly call to the gals at the FSA office and give them a friendly piece of your mind, and eventually it will get somewhere. Roger, thoughts? I wonder if this guy's actually ever visited an FSA office. 
And again, not trying to lump people in, but generally <clears throat> experience has been that you don't take too kindly to people calling and griping at them in mass, <laughs> as no normal <laughs> human would. <laughs> you know, and then to go out and say, you know, forward it on. And, you know, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Who, who knows? You know, <laughs> the, the, the part that gets me is that it's um, USDA. What's the U.S. stand for in USDA? Us. Us. <laughs> this is the United States. So they're pulling information from all over the country that goes in these reports. So to go in and say, yeah, your backyard, you may not have anything, but that doesn't mean everyone's that way. And, it, and again, it's a frustrating thing because of the prevalence of of the speed information moving around or whatever it may be. But to go and, and, and to file complaints on something, what's it going to accomplish? You wanna, you're, you're griping about a report. And how do you rectify that if you're the report releaser? Release another report? I mean, what's, <laughs> well, what's the end result here? If they get enough complaints from taxpayers who are their boss, as we've established, um, if if our if our source of income is upset with us, we need to satisfy them by every report we put out should say the world's coming to an end. It should be like reading through the grain market discussion page and hearing how terrible everything is everywhere all the time. Um, that should So basically, if the report is not bullish, you failed, USDA. I shall go call my FSA office now. That's, that's, the, that's the thought. Do you understand now, Roger? I, no. <clears throat> it's, and again, I... The venting of frustration, yeah, that's great. We need it. And you know what? Social media is fantastic for that. Absolutely fantastic. It's a cathartic exercise for a lot of us. Some people let it get to them and they've got to take breaks from it. And hey, that's fine too. But, it, you know, take it for what it is. But the, the, when you when you take these actions and you actually start putting it out into real world terms, it's, it's where, where do you go with this? What happens to it? What's the idea of, of, of filing these complaints with the people who make the reports, you know, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm it's not in their shoes and I can't see everything from their angle and I'm not going to, uh, you know, sit here and say that I can, but from the outsider's vantage point, what good does that do? It's just therapeutic. It's something sure. to make yourself feel better. It's not going to actually probably produce any results. It's, it's kind of like if you wrote your congressman, but didn't put a check in that letter. It's exactly there you, you go. Know, there it's you not go. So go if you're going to call, if you're going to call FSA offices, also put in donations. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if that would help either. Well, it'll help the people to get receiving the donations. <laughs> there you go. Touche. Um, so uh, another another part of this post. Uh, also, he says. Also, this afternoon, I talked to my crop insurance agent, and he's at some meeting out of town. Therefore, establishes 50 mile radius. Yeah. So the experts are there. There we go. He's at some meeting out of town and there are some small niches. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Niches. It's a niche. Niches. Randy's nodding. Okay. He Randy knows Bird. all about small niches. Okay. He'll edit this later. So small niches of places that have good yields, but in his opinion, that doesn't make up for the ones that are really crappy. So, well, it's interesting here the make up for it's like we've got a uh, do we have a number here we're trying to make up for? Or is it a, a matter of 
you know, supplies were a lot of the focus on, but you know, demand is taking a hit too. You just don't see as much of that. I mean, you can't will demand just like you can't will supply to come into existence. It has to happen. And let's hope it is there. And you know what? I hope that in six months time, things will be turned around and prices will be higher. And you guys can sell their old crop and hopefully book some new crop and we'll put this behind us. But I think it's going to be a long winter until we get there. Demand just usually doesn't show up at the flick of a switch. Let's hope it does. But let's act like it's not. You know, one of the other items that has been talked about a lot is, is um, in, in a snarky sense, sort of in a sense of like we do this podcast, but in a snarky sense of that, oh, where's all this grain we've got carried over from last year? I don't see it. It's not in my bin. It's not my neighbor's bin. Where is it? And, you know, it's a valid argument. It's a good point. Um, part of it, though, it has, has to do with where this stuff's sitting. You know, just because it's not in a farm bin doesn't mean that there's not elevators sitting on this stuff. Um, there's, you know, just from our customers alone, we had a lot of guys sitting on that did allow DP or storage on their beans, say from last year that just started cleaning stuff out here in the last month. And a lot of this stuff has been tied up in space, you know, and again, does it really matter where it's sitting, whether it's on farm or in commercial, or if it's a deal where it gets imported and brings it in, um, it, it's there or it's being accounted for somewhere. Now, maybe it's not as, as much. As, as reports say, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. I don't know. But the fact is, it's somewhere or you'd see all these end users, while basis is high right now, I think it's doing its job. It's bringing grain in from somewhere other than the ethanol issues with them guys shutting down, which has to do with the, you know, the wild world of ethanol wrens and all this other stuff. Um, you don't see these big poultry guys shutting mills down because he can't get any corn. You don't see... Um, uh, these other, in, these other processors and users shutting down, um, uh, because they can't get grain. Grain's coming. It's coming in from somewhere. South America, probably some, uh, other, other neighboring states, their grain usually doesn't work into a certain area. Probably. I mean, base, again, that's the job of basis is to put the signal out, the, the, to, to bring in the grain from wherever it is. And I think it's been doing its job. And the reason why in, in several markets, uh, that had been having a high basis going into harvest and stuff. Well, as soon as stuff started rolling or even, you know, in the gapping and, you know, they haven't really got into harvest yet because of weather, um, you're starting to see some of those levels come down. So they're, they're getting grain somewhere or it's a combination of getting grain or, and, or, 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 you know, lowering their output, whatever it is, it's working because you don't see businesses completely shutting down. So grain's coming from somewhere. It's a long-winded way of saying that. Right. The grain mafia makes sure it gets its. Oh, grain. sure they do. Yeah. Sure they do. They they load up that stuff in the black limos and take it to where it needs to go. Well, I think it should maybe be mentioned too. The grain mafia, in case listeners are wondering, is not just a phenomenon of the United States. It has to be worldwide. This is a conspiracy. How else could grain move from one country to the other? There is no other explanation. Boats. Mafia boats. Mafia boats. Yeah, have you seen how big those things get? You fit so much mafia on those things. <laughs> but no, it, it's it's a deal where, you know, if you look at the Chicago Board of Trade prices, see me, whatever the proper C term is nowadays, I'm kind of an old timer. 
But, you know, it's a benchmark for a lot of the world's grain. So it takes into account a lot of the stuff happening in the world. And while the U.S. is kind of sitting, you know, king of the mountain on a lot of this stuff, we're not the full picture. Um, and, you know, and this gets back to the basis thing where basis kind of fills that gap getting the cash process needed. But um, we're not sitting on record crops worldwide, but no one's no one's uh, experiencing famines yet, I don't think. So, you know, again, it's, it's a broader scope. It's, it's, it's well beyond just, you know, our backyard of what's influencing these prices, you know? Yeah. And I know this, this podcast obviously is full of, uh, I don't know, sarcasm and, and, uh, maybe even a, a touch Cynicism. of con- condescension towards, uh, certain people. But I know that the listeners Looking here, at you, Randy, if you're farmers, if, if you're farmers, you listen, you're probably, you know. You you guys are more upper echelon, highbrow guys. I mean, let's be honest. Obviously, right? if you're listening I mean, to this program, you, you'd never post the sort of thing you saw on here, and and probably you you're in the comment section sometimes uh, trying to correct people, of course, and then being accused of being the mafia yourself, uh, because anyone who who thinks there is you know grain in the world is is a member and uh, or at least a useful idiot of the grain mafia. Am I right? So. Anyways, but it's an easy, it's an, it's an easy thing to, to fall back on when you're frustrated and you know, there's, there's something bigger than me that I can't even control and I can't get ahead. And there's, there's some, there's people in the world that are getting ahead and they must be, you know, doing something that I can't be involved in. And, and, uh, anyways, it's tempting, but, but, uh, but when you get down to it, that's, it's not the case. It's, it's just, the way business works, for, you for know, the and on part. the physical side, it, it, commercially, there has to be a bushel for anybody to make money on the bushel. From the farmer, the elevator, the user. If you're a commercial user, there needs to be a bushel. So it's when there's not bushels, there's no chance of making money on it. So, you know, you know, maybe we're not all in the mafia together. I don't know. And you know, maybe I shouldn't spend so much time on grain market discussion page. I, I promise you. You know, I, I know it's not the best of, of the of society making uh, making the posts like like some of the stuff we read here. Well right? that's just Facebook in general. <laughs> I get it. But you know, you know, somebody asks you, you know, how much faith do you have in humanity? And and my response is always, well I look both ways at roundabouts. That's how much faith I have in humanity. You know though, one of the things that's kind of been ferreted out from reading that Godforsaken page and some others out there is that Jason, we've still got a job to do. You and I, and to some degree, Randy really have to do some heavy lifting because there's still people out there that don't know how the elevators cut truly do. And so every time I read one of those comments, I, it just, it just fills me with sense of duty and we have to convince Phil to let us keep doing these podcast episodes until our message is gone to all the nations. Yes, I agree, Roger. So the, the elevator, the USDA, the government, the Chinese, the boats, the CME, they're, they're not all out, out to get you. They are just necessary cogs in the in the wheel. And hopefully one day, you know, Orange Man and Winnie the Pooh, they'll go into a room and... Hundreds of billions of dollars will come out in a trade deal, and that'll be it'll be great. Uh, but it'll be huge, <laughs> fantastic. 
but in, until then we're uh we are out of time for this episode but i hope you've hope you've enjoyed it i know this is a, a bit of a departure for for our standard way of doing things but but we we brought plenty of snarkiness uh which is okay good. i'm glad you said standard and not standards because yeah you know, we have words have meaning <laughs> there you go so uh so we appreciate as always you listening uh tweet at us write us uh call us on the telephone send us faxes i don't know how to how to do any of that but i know you can get at us at, at the elevators cut on twitter and uh and reach out to us and keep downloading, subscribing, listening, and all that stuff. We've, we've. Randy tells us all the thousands of downloads we have now, and and we're uh, we're all impressed uh, by Randy mainly. We are. Oh yes, of course. Hi, Randy. We are. We had to keep saying his name until he looked at us. But anyways, so thank you uh, as always for listening. Please keep doing it and recommend this to your friends. If you've listened to this, and you know, you probably know a guy who's got this sense of humor or this sense of cynicism that or we have. Or a lady. <laughs> and, or, or a gal. And send this to him. Maybe it's your FSA agent. I don't know. I don't know. But send it to him and and let him know that about you us. Care. So, thank you. And uh, But that's all for today. So, for Roger, I'm Jason. And for Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Out.